Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. I'm so glad he made a strong statement which I would like you to see, understand, and believe into. He said, every man is a minister. Every man is a minister. And so therefore, in doing the will of God, he simply has ordained to serve in whatever capacity you are called into. So you could be a deacon, you could be an usher, or whatever capacity that you are occupying, you are a minister. Amen? So, as I speak, you see yourself as being the one I'm talking about. That is to say, whatever capacity, in whatever level of ministry or work you are engaged in, in the church, you are a minister. Is it simple? Now, in Matthew 7 verse 22 to 23, it's a strong statement made by Jesus Christ to those who are calling to ministry. So many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in the name of cast out devils, and in the name done many wonderful works? And the next verse says, And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that walk in iniquity. Now, this is not to say these people didn't do something, they worked. If I read from the top, Jesus already saying, yes, you cast out devils, you did all of those things, but I don't know you. And that would be strange. So, this is where knowing the will of God and walking in His will is most important when it comes to ministry. It is not how far you have gone, or you are going, or you will go. That's important to God. It is not. It is not how how mighty, whatever thing you are doing that is important to God. It is how much of His will are you doing. Because you see, the word iniquity is the Greek word anomia. Anomia means lawlessness. That is to say, lawlessness or righteousness. What that means is, you did all that you did without me asking you to do them. But you use my name. You see that? As long as you can do all of those things without him instructing you to do them, it's a lawless work. You are operating outside of law. You are operating... You see, he was sharing something very powerful in terms of means of reconciliation. 
We know that the work we are doing, if our scriptures say we are co-laborers together with him. So if you are a co-laborer with him, it is what he wants done that you should do. You can lay another foundation. I mean, think about it. If, if I'm building this structure and then, then I have my design, and then I get a man to come here and help me set up the blocks, and then you are giving me another thing from what is on the, on the plate, what happens to you? I'll just give you the boat and get somebody else that can come and put the bricks the way I need them based on the drawing. Are you done with me? So, you can't be building on the foundation that Jesus has laid and you're doing it in your own way. No. It must be according to pattern. It must be according to instruction. It must be according, according to his dictates. Praise the Lord. You can probably labor without a reward. Because if you build my house not the way I intended it to build, I'm not sure I'm going to pay you. Even if we sign a contract. Am I correct? I will pay you. So you must understand that when you labor in the ministry, there has to be a reward. Now, when this is your reward, it shows that no matter how successful you have been, it was not according to pattern. Are we together? In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 6, this is what the scripture says. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, and lean not unto thy own understanding. Thy own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. In whatever thing you're doing, lean not unto thy own understanding. That's your own wisdom. The next verse. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. And it shall direct thy paths. In all thy ways, in whatever thing you are doing, acknowledge him, he will direct your paths. So that you don't at the end get the reward of go away from me, yet I walk in iniquity. Hallelujah. And I feel this is very crucial. Now, I'm going to be extreme three personalities or four. In what I intend to share. The first one is going to be Jesus. The second one is going to be Paul. The third one is going to be John the Baptist. And the other one is going to be Abraham, our father of faith. So, let me start with Jesus. With regards doing the will of God and walking in his will. In Hebrews 10 verse 7. The word saying, They said, I know. I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, in the volume of the book. And that simply means something that every one of us, <laughs> the book is written, and there is something that God has ordained you for to do in the book. That is what you must find. We will come to that. We will make you understand. You know, how many of you understand that when they asked John the Baptist who he was, he simply said, I'm the voice of all crying in the wilderness. Am I right? 
That means he was born to fulfill a scripture. So every one of us is born to fulfill scriptures. Even if you are a deacon. How many of you remember somebody like Philip? He was a deacon. You remember that? Very good. But he came to prominence, yet he was a deacon. So even if you are a deacon, there is something you are called to do. There is something God has written about you. And that is what you primarily have to discover and walk in. And I want to make you understand this as we progress. You see, if you call to pioneer certain things, you are not going to have the fame like other people have. And you are going to go through pressure that other people never pass through. I'll make you say that. In that instance, you may have to discover that just as people will not accept you, there is so much pressure you are going to pass through because you are like a sacrifice. You are paying a price to get that light to come into being. That's why I discovered that when God gives you new revelations, as it were, from the scriptures, the normal thing we have to reject it because what I'll be telling you is we've never seen it before. No, we don't believe it this way. That papa didn't preach it this way. That father didn't preach it that way. Are you sitting there with me? You will face rejection. Now, if you are facing rejection, and yet you are in the will of God, you don't expect your ministry to be as big as those who have been there before. Are you still there? It's written of me to do the will of God. So, go to Almighty 26, verse 41 and 42. Here was Jesus praying in Mighty chapter 26. Verse 41. He was, remember, this is Gethsemane. Is that okay? Right. He was in the garden and I was praying. And the disciples could not pray with him. And he came to them and said, Watch and pray. Right? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The body. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Or what ground? But just remember, in Hebrews it said, it's written of me to do thy will. Is that okay? Okay. If you take time to read the context, it's sacrifice and offering thou will not. That means it's now becoming the sacrifice. Verse 42. And he says, He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. <laughs> he, he gave up, struggling not to do the will. Now, what was it that Jesus was talking about here? What he meant to say is, if the redemption of mankind cannot be fulfilled except I die, then let me die. Because the will is that he should become the sacrifice for the redemption of man. I don't know if you are getting this. So, he has, God has a will for him, and that's why I'm saying God has a will for you. And you must understand it that way. 
let me pass through the death if this is the only way you have determined to redeem mankind. In other words, I have seen that you don't have another choice. Because sacrifice and offering that will not. A body have that prepared me to do their will. What is the will? The redemption of mankind. And he has to pay the price. Some of you, you don't even know why you married your husband for women. You don't even know. <laughs> let, me, let me just say it here a little bit. Hallelujah. So unless I suffer, no. Let me then suffer. That will be done. I'm content to suffer. What if I be required in accomplishing the great design of the redemption of humanity? I am content to go through it. Hallelujah. Now, we must understand that this statement, the humanity of Christ was speaking. Is that okay? Right. And the fact that the humanity was speaking tells us they were both divine and human. Are you following me? All right. For there you can be able to see precisely that his humanity was not identifying with mankind. Let me be offered at the sacrifice that you needed for mankind to be what? Redeemed. In other words, I am ready for the atonement to atone for the sins of the world. You see, when you sit and, and, and study or you pray, ask God, why am I here? Ask God, why am I in ministry? Why am I called as a pastor? What is the excess? Because you know what? If you understand what I'm saying, you will not engage in competitive spirit with anybody else. Because the reward is not based on how fantastic the work is, it's based on how obedient you are to the instruction I've given to you. You won't compete with anybody. You won't envy anybody. Are you sitting there with me? Okay. So yeah, he resigned to faith. Now remember, when he was praying this prayer, there is something that was mentioned in the book of Hebrews chapter 5 verse number 6. We are told he prayed to the point that the blood, I mean his sweat was like blood coming out of his body. How many of you remember that? What was he praying for? He wanted to escape. He wanted to be sure he get out of being offered as a sacrifice. Now, let me read this scripture to you. Hebrews 5, verse 6. As he has said also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And the next verse says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was hurt in that he feared. You close it. I want you to pay attention to this. He prayed, cried, shed tears, not to drink the cup. But the Bible says God had him. So if God had him, why did he still go to the cross? Now, this is what I want to tell you. God, sometimes when you pray, when you are in the will of God, 
for which he has called you and created you. And things are tough. You may be asking God to get out of that. He will answer you, but not according to that prayer that you are praying. You know what happened here? God held him so that he will not die premature death in the garden. He will have died literally in that garden while he was praying. But God strengthened him to come out of the garden to go to the cross. The cross you must go. You are not dying in the garden here. God heard him. Are you listening to me? So some of you, you may have certain callings upon your life. And you feeling so dejected. You feel you want to come out of it. God will only answer you by strengthening you to go through. Because that is his will for you. Are you sitting with me? God held him so that he would not go through a premature death. Now, how many of you understand? Why do you think in Matthew 17 that Moses and Elijah came to him? The scripture tells us that he came and they were discussing his death. The problem was still in his heart, in his human nature. And they came to do what? To strengthen him. And say, Amen. Look, listen, listen. You got to go. You already know that the volume of the book is written about you to do his will. And the will is that you have to be the sacrificial lamb. You must go. Remember, he was getting close to Jerusalem when that experience came up. Moses and Elijah have to come out and say, Man, we got to strengthen this man because he's like he's failing already. His faith at this point is completely gone. Because he saw what the cross was going to be like. Are you sitting there with me? So Moses came and said, hey, listen, we prophesied about you that you are going to die on the cross as a sacrificial lamb. If you don't go, all the prophecies we've given have collapsed. I made the law. So Elijah came and said, we are the prophets. We spoke so much about you. Right from the time of your bed to the time of your crucifixion. I mean, look at Isaiah 53. All of that. If you don't go to the cross, that means we, the company of the prophet, will be termed as what? False prophet. So please be encouraged. They just came to strengthen him to go to the cross. So that his will, which is the will of the Father, may also be what? Made manifest. If you don't stay on God's will, you have only one reward. Go away from me, ye that works what? Iniquity. For I know you not. That should put some fear in our hearts. Even as we do ministry. And whatever level of services we are engaged in. So that our reward will not be... That's a bad paycheck. Are you still there with me? <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's look at somebody like John the Baptist again. I'll show you a simple illustration by John the Baptist. On walking in the will of God. And every one of you, I keep saying this, you are born for a purpose. You are born for a reason. There's a reason why you are born even in your family. I know my brother, though we have not discussed that one, but he was a Muslim, am I right? He was a Muslim. He was born a Muslim, but God has something different for him. What he was bringing him here? <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Are you sitting with me? In John chapter 1, verse 19, here is a record. And this is the record of John when Jesus sent, I mean, the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? The next verse says, And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. The beginning of your journey is to know who you are not. Amen? The beginning of your journey in doing the will of God is to know who you are not. I am not the Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. And look at the next verse. Verse 21. And they asked him, What then art thou a liar? And he said, I am not. Art thou the prophet? And he said, No. Well, he answered, No. You know, so many of you, have you, have you had such experience that people come something and tell you, I see the spirit of the prophet in your life. Yes, I was just preaching, I see that you are a prophet of God. Have you seen that before? You see, they want to put you into a framework that you don't have capacity for. In 2010, I was in Italy ministering. When I finished my ministration, the pastor's wife came to me and he said, The Paul that you are saying, I have a problem and I need counsel. I said, What's that? He said, Is it right for my husband to always ask me to prophesy even when I don't have anything to say? I said, How did that happen? So my husband said, He is an apostle and I am a prophet. So, after every preaching, she, he would ask the woman to come and prophesy. I know the implication of that. Lies. And this woman saw the danger she was in. And she came to me quietly after the meeting. And asked me, so what do I do? I said, tell your husband, you are not a prophetess. And prophecy, by the way, does not come because you are a prophet. You can prophesy. Anybody can prophesy. But this man gave me a badge to wear. <laughs> Hallelujah. What's the next thing? Verse 20, 22. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that sent us. What said thou of thyself? Okay, now, people say this about you. What do you know yourself to be? You have to be able to tell people who you are, not people telling you who you are. No! That's not how to work in the will of God. Are we here? You should know who you are. <laughs> Look at the next verse. He said, I am what? The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. I sell prophet what? Isaiah. That is who I am. 
Praise the living God. And guess what? He was quoting from Isaiah 40 verse number 4. That's why I'm saying you are bound to fulfill scriptures. When you are reading the Bible, you have understanding of what you are doing. God can literally make you know who you are. You are here to fulfill scriptures. Are you still there with me? Hallelujah. So now, you go to Luke chapter 1. When he was giving battle, that is, John the Baptist was giving battle. You go to Luke chapter 1. You, you could read from 67 to 75. You know, 67, the Bible says, And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied. That is the key to prophecy. If we really understand what prophecy means, here it is. The father was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied. When Mary and Elizabeth greeted, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied. It's so simple. You don't have to be a prophet to prophesy. <laughs> you see, prophets are actually men that see the architectural design of God's blueprints and the apostles, they build their blueprints. So, a true prophet, in a sense, carries both the apostolic grace and the prophetic grace. So you see, somebody like Moses was a prophet, but he built the structure with an apostolic grace. That's why the Bible refers to the apostles as wise master builders. So if you in the true sense say you are a prophet and you don't know how to build, you lack it, you are just flowing the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of prophecy. Are you sitting with me? Hallelujah. Now, just move on. We're not going to be able to read all of that. That's a long thing, but I just you can read all of them. Now, this prophecy was about Jesus Christ now. He was not talking about Jesus, and then he moved down to... Uh, what verse am I going to take here? I don't want this long reading. Uh, okay. If we go down, okay, let's take it very fast, if you will. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up an own of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. He's talking about Jesus now. Remember, the Spirit just came and then he started talking. Is that okay? Right. What's the next thing? And he spake by the mouth of the Holy Prophet, which have been since the world began, and then that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, and then to perform the message promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. And then the old which swore to our fathers, Abraham, amen, that he will grant unto us that we be delivered out of the hand of our enemies, may serve him without fear. The primary thing I want you to pick from this prophecy is that you don't serve God with fear. Hallelujah. What's the next thing? In holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our lives. And then he went there. And thou child. Verse 76 now. Which child is he talking about now? John the Baptist. 
Thou child shall call the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, the blueprint for the life of John the Baptist. It's not coming out for the prophecy of his father. You have to have a blueprint of your life if you have to walk in his will and do his will. Look at it next step. To do what? Give knowledge. When anytime you see things told, that's the assignment. To give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of the sins through the tender mercies of our God, whereby the dead spring from our high visited us, which is the Christ, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to give, to guide our feet into the way of what? Of peace. Okay? And the child grew and was strong in spirit and was in the desert to the day of his showing unto Israel. Hallelujah. Did you get this? It was in the desert. The verse number 80 is so important. This whole prophecy came in. The chance to quit John was going to walk on and what to accomplish when we manifest. But scripture says it was in the desert until he showing forth. There is time to go into ministry. Now, if we ordinarily want to follow scripture, the time given to go into ministry is when you are 30 years as Jewish people. Right? But that is not, you can find the book of Numbers, for instance, Numbers chapter 4, if you look at verse 1 to 3, you know, it tells you, those were 30 years and above. Those were the only people that were consecrated into ministry. And that's why Jesus had to wait until he was 30 years old before he could go into public ministry. But that is not when Jesus started his ministry. Jesus started ministry at the age of 12. He started recruiting his people at the age of 12. We know that. Because when they were asked to pay tax, the tax which they paid was a tax that was paid between the ages of 20 to 12. And the oldest man among them was Peter, of all the disciples that Jesus had. He was already ministry at the age of 12, but he was not in public ministry as ordained in the scriptures. That's why I have to wait. Are you there with me? Now, John chapter 1 verse 29. Let me show you the commission here. John chapter 1 verse 29. The next day Jesus seen, I mean, John said Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, we take away the sin of the world. Remember now he began to identify with his ministry and identifying the very one he came to show the way up. Listen, he has to make Israel, give them the knowledge of who the I mean, the Savior really is. Amen? What's the next thing? This is he of whom I said, after me cometh a man, which is preferred before me, for he was before me. The next thing, and I knew him not. Now this is the point. Apostle Daniel must say the same thing. You don't know people by physical 
appearance or whatever the case may be. No, you don't know people like that. Guess what? See, John and Jesus were six bulls apart. We were cousins. So how can you say I don't know him? I mean, somebody, remember, Mary and Martha, I mean, and, and, and Elizabeth, they are sisters, and John and Jesus, they are cousins six months apart. But here John is saying, I don't know him. You don't know who. That should be strange. But guess what? I knew him not, but he should be glory to God. Made manifest to Israel, therefore I am come baptizing with water. Period. Why did Jesus, I mean, John go to River Jordan to baptize people to identify Jesus Christ? Nothing more. The only reason he went there. So now, guess what? The will for John is to introduce Jesus to Israel. And that's all. You don't see him going to be prophesying to people. You don't see him going to be do stuff. No, that is not part of his scheme that God gave to him. His main assignment is to come and introduce who Jesus was to Israel. And the means of doing it is to go to River Jordan and be baptizing people. Look at the next verse. And John bear record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. Glory to God. Amen. What's the next thing? And I knew him not. In fact, the whole of this part, three times he confessed, I don't know him. And I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is, the, is he quick baptized with what? The Holy Ghost. Now, this is the point. You should be able to know specifics of what God has called you to do. John said, the Lord who sent me to baptize people told me the man you are looking for through this experiment of baptizing people is one that the Holy Ghost will descend upon like a dove. Once you see that, declare him to be the one that you are looking for. So the entire ministry of John was to locate Jesus Christ. Not him all. Hallelujah. Are we still here? Verse 34. And I saw an abhorrent that this is the Son of God. Finish matter. And as soon as this was done, his ministry was finished. Herod picked him and beheaded him. And somebody say no. Because he left, he left the wilderness and went to the city. You have no understanding. As long as Jesus was gone, I mean, John will be standing there, Jesus cannot start his ministry. He came to introduce him. His introduction is over. Men have seen him. He has to step aside. In fact, he made a statement. He must increase. That I must do what decrease. His ministry has finished. It doesn't matter how whether he was beheaded or whether he was drowned in the well. No, his ministry is finished. You must know where you are supposed to stop. 
Hallelujah. As soon as this was done, the next thing you find in the life of John was imprisonment. And he got confused when he was in prison. So go ask him, is he the one? Remember, he was the one that said, is the one? When he was speaking that, he was in the spirit. But now, when he was in prison, his flesh began to talk. Go find out, is he the one I was talking about? Because if he was the Messiah, he would save me from this imprisonment. Are you getting what I'm talking about? His humanity was not talking. But Jesus said, Go tell him the blind see, the lame walk. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Just go tell him that. Because these are the proof that I am the one. So show John that one. Delivering John from prison was not a problem to Jesus. But that was not part of the agenda. Are you sitting with me? Some of you, your calling is just to introduce somebody, but know that you have to die like John. Are you sitting with me? But that is just it. Some of you, you don't understand. Your ministry is just to introduce some people. I know a man like this. I know a teacher like this. I know a prophet like this. That will not be your ministry. But everybody wants to carry the Bible. That's a problem. I don't know if I get what I'm saying here. That could just be your will, the will of God for your life. Just to introduce someone, just to work with someone, just to assist someone. That is just your ministry. And God will reward you for that. But that's what we don't know. Praise God. Like I said before, for you to understand a practical reality, you don't have to be 30 years before you start ministry. No. It depends on when God's hand comes upon you. Is that okay? People like T.L. Osborne, he got into ministry when he was 18 years old. Is that okay? The wife was 17. They were young, they were youths. 18 years old. If I want to go to India, that was around when he was 20, 21 years old. That's when they got the first trip. Or they had their ministry in India. Got born 1923 in Tulsa, Oklahoma. 18 years was when he went into ministry. The wife was 17. So you are not too young. <laughs> depend on the call of God upon your life, depend on what you want to do with your life. But you have to understand this thing. You have to know it. You have to see it yourself. Who are you? I am not one of those things. Who do you say you are? Very good. I'm the voice of all crying in the wilderness. I know who I am. You don't have to tell me who I am. Praise God. Let me show you something about Paul. Are you catching what I'm talking about? I don't want you to miss these things. This is all about life. Whether you are a housewife, whether you are your husband, you don't even know why you marry your wife or your husband. You may not even know. And most times you don't even know who your husband or your wife is. You, not because both of you are sleeping on the same bed. No. Henceforth, no we no man after the flesh. You don't know who your husband is. You don't know who your wife is. The kind of spirit in their life, what God intends to do with them, you don't know. 
And until God reveals this thing to you, you'll be relating to them as if, you know, normal human being. But that's where we make the mistake. That's why Paul said, oh, I mean, John said, I don't know him. But God gave me a sign. So sometimes you need to pray, who is my wife? Who is my husband? What do you intend to do? Because if you truly know who your husband is or wife is, you will support what God has dropped in his life. You won't fight it. You don't, come on, help me now. You don't use your husband to compare other people. Neither will you use your wife to make comparison with other people. If you know there's a call upon your life. Is anybody following this? <laughs> I remember one time there was a guy, a minister, and uh, this guy was going through some pressures, but everybody knew that this guy had a call in his life. When this man wakes up in the morning and is trying to pray, the wife will just go to the bathroom and carry a bowl of water and pour it on his head. You lazy man, go out and get a job. Why? Because the woman do not know who the man really was. Is that okay? Look at Acts chapter 26. Let me give you an example again from the life of Paul. Those are actually my main characters when I teach the Bible. I have main characters that instruct me in the ways of God. Acts 26 verse 16. Now here is Paul recounting to Agrippa what happened to him on the road to Damascus. And he was telling him and said, Jesus was speaking to him and said, But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. There is a purpose why God appears to you. There's always a purpose, there's always a reason. And he was giving me a brief story about himself. How the Lord appeared to him. I think during youth service, right? Youth service or there about yet. We did the youth service in Nasaba, right here in Delta State. And the Lord appeared to him and told him, You're not going back to the north. Start a ministry. For this purpose, there's always a purpose. You can't see God without a purpose being delivered to you. No, 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 no. A lot of people say, I've seen the Lord. So what happened when you saw him? What did he tell you? They have to be specifics. Are you sitting there with me? I've appeared to thee for this purpose. To make thee what? A minister. Hallelujah. And a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee. That is why there must always be a continuous appearing of the Lord. Hallelujah. Verse 17. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I now send thee. To do what? Verse 18. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Can we get just this verse from the message translation? Just verse 18. And I will come back. Hallelujah. To open the eyes of the outsiders so they can see the difference between dark and light and choose light 
See the difference between Satan and God and choose God. I'm sending you us to present my offer of sins forgiven and a place in the family, inviting them into the company of those who begin real living by believing in me. Now, if you read it from the King James again, verse 17. Go to verse 17. I want to show you something. Delivering thee. How did God deliver Paul? What is deliverance? Who? <laughs> Hallelujah. He brought him out. And give him a purpose. Now, there is nowhere you find in scripture that Paul, the spirit of murder, was cast out of Paul. Did you see it? But was he delivered? Just taking you to himself. That is why in the book of Colossians, the Bible tells we have been delivered from the present evil world. It tells in Galatians 1 verse 4, in Colossians, Colossians 1 12 13, we've been translated from the power of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. That is deliverance. And it comes through knowledge. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Hallelujah. So now, Go to verse 19. And I said, verse 19 now, Wherefore upon all King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto what? The heavenly vision. In other words, I was not disobedient to the will of God for my life. And how can you walk in obedience when you don't know what you are called to do? And the only thing that guarantees your success is as you walk in obedience to what he has given you to do. Your reward is based on his vision for you. What has he called you to do? Hallelujah. Now I want to show you something which is very, very critical. First Corinthians 1. Look at this chapter 1. And I read from verse number 12. And this is very, very powerful and I want you to pay close attention. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 12. Now this I say, that every one of you said... I am of a Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Caiaphas, I am of Christ. Verse 13 says, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Christos and Gaius. Lest anyone should say that I have been baptized in my own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptize any other. This is a problem. For Christ, for Christ did what? Send me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of wealth, let the cross of Christ be made of what? Of none effect. Christ sent me not to baptize. So if you go back to that 26th 
of Acts and read us 17:18, you don't see baptism there of the thing that Jesus told him to do. Therefore, we are not going to bring this one into his own curriculum. <laughs> this may shock you. For those of us who contend that without water baptism, you are not saved. And it simply means all the churches that Paul founded, they were not saved. Because these are the only people who baptized. They never baptized any other person. Does anybody follow what I'm saying? Christ sent me not. You should know what you are sent for to do. You should know. Stay within the boundaries of the confines of your assignment. Then God will reward you. Thou faithful servant. Enter into thy rest. Hallelujah. Does this make any meaning to you? <laughs> and look at this. Revelation, I mean Romans chapter 11 verse 13. I would like to stop here. Romans 11.13 For I speak to you Gentiles Remember in year 26 I'm sending you to the Gentiles Did you get that? Good I speak to you Gentiles In as much as I am the apostle of the Gentiles And magnify my office I'm not contending with the Jewish people I'm not contending with anybody else I have my assignment I have the blueprint given to me I saw it in the heavenly vision I'm not going to be disobedient to the heavenly vision I'm an apostle to the Gentiles I am going to stay with my cause Do you know who you are? We are talking of doing And walking In the will of God this is not possible until you know what God's will for you is all about. That's why you must try so that you don't do everything everybody is doing. You, you can't be found doing everything everybody else is doing. No! You must know who you are. You must know the structure God gave to you. You must know the blueprint He asked you to build. The temple of Moses was different from the temple of Solomon, if you will. And the temple of Solomon was different from the temple of David. You have to understand, everybody, the temple of David, remember, does not have partitions. Why? Because it represented the ministry of Christ, the Melchizedek. Neither male nor female, no Jews, no Gentiles. So when you stand in the temple of David, you just see the ark on the other side. But in the temple of Moses or the temple of Solomon, there's a partition. There's a curtain. How many of you understand that? The altar called the holy place, the most holy place. But in Christ's temple, I mean, David's temple, you don't find it. So when in Acts 15 he said, I'm going to restore the tabernacle of David. And people now begin to teach that how to do with music because David will play music. No, sir! Nothing to do with music. What he was saying was, well, let me show this. David was a king. It was not allowed the king for the king to go and minister before the ark. That was the duty of the priests. But now David was performing the duty of a priest and that of a king. So he was a king priest. And that is Melchizedek order. So the tabernacle of David 
is to bring in the Melchizedek order, not music. I'm not against music, beautiful one. Praise the living God. Are you still here with me? Paul said, I know where I belong. I know what I'm called to do. And one of the things I'm not asked to do is to carry people to Atlantic Ocean. I'm not asked to do that one. But other people are asked to do that. Is that okay? Number two thing, I know I am not asked to compete with anybody when it comes to the issue of being a Jew. No. My focus and assignment is what? The Gentiles. And in have much, I have come on now. Magnify my office. That should be a word that will ring in your ear as you leave this meeting. I magnify my office. I magnify my office. Not somebody else's office. My own office has revealed to me. So that I will not be disobedient to that heavenly vision. Praise the Lord God, somebody. And once again, you should be able to know. I don't know why I keep saying this. You should be able to know why you married the man you married to. You should be able to know. What are you supposed to do? I don't know. You should be able to know why you married the woman you are married to. It's so important. It's so critical. You understand these basics in marriage and relationship. Because these things will deliver you from so many issues. Hallelujah. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Because see, first Corinthians 7 time is not there. The Bible tells us, Oh woman, how will you know if God be without man, you will save the man? That means there are some women that are married to some people just for the purpose of the salvation of those men. Are you listening to me? If you understand these things, you relax. <laughs> you won't even see anything called problem because you know you are in a ministry. You are in ministry to your husband to get him saved. You are in ministry to your wife to get him saved. That means by union, you connecting that individual into Christ. You see, it's always very funny when we say, the race is personal. There is no woman, there are no children. Well, relatively true. But if you take time to study scriptures, it doesn't have to be so. Otherwise, why would Christ love the church to the point of dying for the church? Why would Adam follow Eve out of the garden when he sinned? There was a bond. Both of them were into a ministry. Are you following what I'm talking about? For Paul was speaking in First Corinthians, but man, he said, I speak in the mystery. What's the mystery? When you talk about a man and a woman, speaking of the church and Christ. Praise the living God. Take it again. I've been an apostle to the Gentiles. I do what? I magnify my office. That is where your reward comes from. Not in doing so many things. And Jesus had to tell Martha the same thing. You are so cumbersome over so many things. But one thing is needful. Only one thing is needful. I say the same to you today. Only one thing is needful in your life, in ministry. Knowing why you are here. What he has called you to do. God bless you. 
Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.